0: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet! It's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. This show presented by Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. It's also part of the 440 Sports Network. In our episode today. We will talk, as we do weekly, with quarterback Ken Seals, so let's get right into that. Ken Seals joins us, as he does every week. Ken, hope you are well. Goodness, you guys are, what, almost a, a month into school now? It's crazy. Time has flown by.
1: It really has. It is, uh, it's that part of the season, kind of past the first quarter of the year now, where this next Week four to week eight is just going to go by like crazy. So,
0: well, now that you're past the Stanford game by a few days, we're doing this on Wednesday night. You've had a couple of practices. You've been through film review and all those things. What have you taken away from that game? Now that it's a little bit in the rearview mirror.
1: Yeah, you know, I thought the um, I thought the offense came to play in the first half. We came out. Um, clicking on all cylinders. Uh, The line was doing a great job making some running lanes for uh, Rocco and Ray, and uh, it was really exciting and encouraging to see. And I think it gave our team some juice. Um, The fact that we're uh, keeping up with them step for step, even whenever um, our defense got to stop at the one yard line, we had to go 98 yards to score um, to tie up the game. I think, you know, that was absolutely huge uh and just for the psychology of our offense too to know that you know that's who we are that's something that we're capable of and so you know i thought i thought we started strong um we talked about the middle eight uh all week the um the four minutes before half and the four minutes coming out of halftime and uh we knew that we were going to have to win the middle eight to win the game and that just didn't happen and going into halftime those last four minutes it was um it was very uh it wasn't a good job on my part and uh, offensively moving the ball um protecting it in general just got to protect the ball and uh it, i think it ended up being like a 17 or 13 uh point swing there in the last 4 minutes of the second quarter and you know you look at that and you think well you got to come out now you get the ball to start the second half um you know you want to go score um that didn't happen and then it just felt like we were trying to catch up and you never want to be in that game and you know you're always at a disadvantage at that point because you know they can sit back on you know the passing routes and you feel like you got to push the ball down the field a little bit so we're not taking because we were chewing the clock I mean we were taking some time out of the clock on our drives and we are controlling the ball and I think you know Stanford's supposed to be a pretty uh ball control type offense but i think we ended up having more uh, time of possession than they did and so you know just i i feel like if we could have cleaned up the end of the second quarter it's a completely completely different game and that's frustrating um to think about that you know it's just that you know quick instance a uh, couple mistakes that all happened simultaneously right there that um, kind of compounded into you know the result that we didn't want but You know, we got to play a complete game and we watch the film and we're breaking it down uh, from our technique standpoint. And, you know, I think we play with our good technique like we did for the first quarter and a half. Um, Then I think obviously we can be up there with any team we want uh, when it comes to our offense. And so um, I think it gave guys a lot of confidence to see what we could do. And um, I think we're absolutely taking that into this week.
0: You talk about kind of breakdowns in technique. Give me an example of something you saw on a team level that you guys looked at and said, hey, we can do that better.
1: You know, I don't know if there's anything about like a team level. I know whenever I talk about technique, I'm more, more than not just talking about myself, whether that be, you know, I'm taking a lazy drop. Usually I'll take a lazy drop. It's because I'm you know, trying to make a play or I'm not really going through my progression like I should be or I'm thinking this guy's going to be open, like I'm pre-assuming something, Uh can't do that. You know, I just got to trust the training, trust the technique, you know, go from one to two to three to check down um, and get through my progression. You know, it starts at the line of scrimmage, uh, looking at the defense and making the right protection calls and making sure that we're all lined up and then pre-snap to post-snap coverage, seeing it and uh, applying whatever concept we have to it. And, you know, that's... It's simple, And, you know, you can make it as hard as you want to. But really, it's it's not art. It's, you know, that's my job. And the repetition of doing that, uh, I got to get better. And I can't get bored um, taking easy completions.
0: Ken, I'm going to go ahead and go to the mailbag, if that's cool, because we've got a lot of questions from listeners yep. tonight. All right. Our awesome. mailbag is uh, sponsored by Sutherland & Belk, a family-owned injury law firm. If you are a loved one... Has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615 846 6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. And Arbor says, Can Ken talk specifically about how Kayleen Curry works with the team? I think I've seen her on the sidelines during the games. Is she just observing or does she work with the players during the game?
1: Yeah, she absolutely will grab you and come and talk to you during the game. So, like, even whenever I'm like sitting on the sidelines or, you know, walking around, she'll, and it's kind of partly encouraging, but it's more of like triggering like a self-awareness, like even just seeing her, you kind of like think about like the lessons that she's taught. And, you know, me personally, I think about the one-on-one meetings and conversations I've had with her stuff that I want to work on. And so it's just, it's just kind of like a reminder, um, to keep doing all of those things that we talk about. And, um, I really like it. It's kind of like a, um, just a second to like self-reflect really quick and like self-assess your performance uh, mentally. And for me, a lot of that comes from leadership. So I always see how I'm doing. And then it's like, all right, you need to be more vocal. You need to get out there. You know, if it, if you don't like where the energy of the team is at, pick it up, like make the change that you want to see. And so, um, I really like her, you know, uh, a lot of guys go in and have one-on-one meetings with her. Um, I go every week. Um, that's just you know how I like to do it, um, and I'm, I'm I'm assuming most of the other team does. It's there's a certain level of confidentiality to it, but I know everyone really loves her and uh, loves the work that she do, and she's a very much appreciated member of the team. And uh, yeah, we all love Kayleen.
0: Dore King says, "Do you have a favorite NFL quarterback?" That you like to pattern your game after. He also says this, or quarterbacks. I guess that includes college too. I know we've talked a little bit about this before, but um, of current guys, who do you pay attention to to emulate the most?
1: Yeah, it's it's a good question, and I was actually literally last night thinking about this. You know, I was um, having a conversation with Coach Rye. And obviously, you know, he has NFL backgrounds. And so I was asking him about some of the quarterbacks that he's been around. And he's like, you know, the interesting thing about the NFL is you have guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees that are not as, you know, I, I guess I don't want to throw him under the bus for any uh, t- or a position that he has on NFL quarterbacks. um, But, you know, guys like uh, Brady and Brees they work hard and they are obsessed with the details and are not as athletically gifted as some other quarterbacks. You know, Drew Brees is like six foot tall and Tom Brady, we all know how fast Tom Brady is, you know, so he ain't working with much, but, and then there's guys that, you know, aren't as obsessed with details, but are just freakishly talented and, you know, in league forever. And he was using Aaron Rodgers since, you know, he was, um, he was on the team with Aaron Rodgers. You know, probably not as obsessed with uh, details and maniacal about film as like Breeze and Brady are, but the dude is just a freak athlete is you know the way that he was saying it. And, um, you know, obviously NFL quarterback's been doing it a long time. He has a deep, deep understanding of the game. And so that obviously helps in the way that he plays. But, you know, I, I think about the different approaches to the game and uh, the way that I can still, like, change the way that I see the game. And I'm really, you know, right now trying to listen to and really coach Rye and try and figure out, like, who I am and what my personality is at a quarterback. And I know on a general level, I kind of understand, like, what I'm more drawn to as far as, like, on a leadership level, uh, whether... I like to lead, you know, kind of silently and by example, or if I like to, you know, speak up and be vocal and maybe like dig into guys a little bit whenever I feel like it's not where I want it to be or where it needs to be. So, um, well, I guess all of that being said, I don't really have a quarterback that I watch. You know, I honestly don't get to watch much football other than us <laughs> playing it on film. So there's um, there's really not that much time to especially, you know, I don't watch any college football. I kind of like keep up with the scores. But, I mean, other than, you know, the college football that's on at noon on Saturdays when I'm waiting for a 7 o'clock game. But, um, yeah, I I mean, I I like – I'll say I like – I really like Josh Allen. Um, I've always – I guess growing up I always thought of uh, myself as, like, some Aaron Rodgers type. But um, I've always wanted to be Tim Tebow, (laughs) Uh, running the ball especially. Uh, He was never, like, super fast or, like, agile. Obviously, he was extremely athletic, but like he was just more of a big guy that'll like punish you. So, I'm, um, you know, no, I'm probably not as big as Tebo is, but you know, a guy can dream, I guess. So it's a it's it's a mix. I don't really have one guy that uh, that I look at. Door King
0: wants to know: Were there any particular or unique challenges that Stanford's defense presented?
1: Honestly, um, I didn't think so. So unique or anything like that? No, everything they did. Honestly, they played a very simple defense, and they wanted to beat you with the fundamentals. And you know, we had a game plan going into the week, and they did exactly what they had done on film every time that they played a game. And we knew exactly what to expect, and we were calling plays, and they worked. And you know, I was very proud of the guys um, early on in the game for applying our game plan, and I thought it was absolutely awesome to feel like our offense was just rolling and you know we had a couple like momentum killers there at the end of the second quarter you know i've already talked about it. and you know as frustrated as i am with it you know we we learned from it we're moved on but you know they um they played their defense and uh i, I think you know we came out of halftime and they started changing some stuff up they didn't like um the mismatches uh, that we're creating with our motions Um, and a lot of times the motion would get them screwed up. You know, they had to communicate a lot. We felt like whenever we motioned and so they were kind of got, um, unsound in their gap integrity. And that's what, you know, busted a lot of the runs that, uh, we were seeing. They just, you know, didn't know how to get lined up to motion sometimes. And, you know, and not, not saying every time, but, uh, we took advantage of our one-on-one matchups. I think I threw like five or six, like 10 yard stop routes uh, on the outside, um and you know towards it whenever we came out at halftime they started chopping back uh, into a little bit more zone and that's you know partly because they're changing their scheme for the way that we were running the ball and throwing it on them but also you know they knew that up as much as they were I think you know whenever they got the ball they scored so um, that turned into a 20 point 20 point lead um instead of 13 coming out of halftime and so they knew we were going to try and be a little bit more aggressive with our play calling so they could kind of sit back on some stuff. But, I mean, not nothing really we thought that was unique. We just knew we had to go out there and uh, beat a good team.
0: S. Butler the 4th you'll love this one. Do you or any other player ever read the message board?
1: <laughs> uh, no, I don't think so. <laughs> uh, sometimes I'm I would scared. not recommend it yeah okay good because i'm scared to look at it sometimes honestly like anything on social media i'm hesitant to look at good and bad so
0: i i think that's a good approach how much how much do other players on your team read twitter do you guys mostly stay off that
1: you know um i think the the message is to stay off of it um but you know i'm sure i'm sure guys go on there you know there's um Obviously, a lot of dudes on the team. I'm sure they see stuff on Twitter, but you know, it's not. Hopefully, you know, guys aren't tweeting anything out that they shouldn't be. But I think they see it. I do think I see it.
0: This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend Dr. Jody Jones DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville, and just check out his client list. It testifies to that he sees. Movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville, but he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is it is a relaxing, friendly environment. So, whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. Okay, Seymour83 says, what sport would you play if you weren't playing football? Ooh, um,
1: honestly, if I wasn't playing football, I either wouldn't play a sport or I I guess I would have, like, probably sticked with baseball. I uh, I stopped playing baseball in high school whenever, um and football was getting serious for me, Uh, and I missed it. But, uh, yeah, I guess guess baseball. I played everything. I played – my first sport was soccer, and then I got into – yeah, I played like a couple years of basketball. I never really got super into basketball. Um, Yeah, and then played football and played baseball. So, yeah, I'd probably say baseball. That'd be cool. What position did you play? So I kind of played – I guess all over the place. I was young. I, I think I started out in left field, and then they moved me to first base, and eventually I became a pitcher. And you know, my dad was always like very involved in my athletics, and so whatever position I was playing, he was like make me go out in the yard. We'd like practice catching, or we were obsessive about pitching whenever I was a pitcher. And I was pitching and watching YouTube videos on how to pitch all the time. So, you know, and I, I, you know, I really do credit a lot of um, what I am as a quarterback now kind of to that, uh, that work and uh, him pushing me whenever I was younger in sports, not just football, but in literally anything I was doing, uh, we would, this is kind of a weird tangent, but we had this like thing that we did whenever I was really little, we called it SATs. And it has nothing to do with the SAT test. It was like our strength and conditioning. Um, And it was literally, my dad bought like a bunch of pre-C speed school videos um, and a bunch of like speed equipment, like hurdles, agility ladders, cones, like different stuff like that. And we would have like speed and agility training out, whether it be like on the local like middle school football field or in our front yard. And like me and my teammates and my siblings would all go out there and we just go through like this grueling, like one-hour workout. <laughs> my dad would put us through, and so it's, I, it's just like stuff like that. He was always like pushing us. I, that almost has nothing to do with the question, but uh, that's kind of where I went with it. So I hope that's okay. <laughs> Were you
0: ever made to run laps for not eating your broccoli?
1: Uh, so we had to do push-ups. Anytime <laughs> we got in trouble, we had to do twenty-five push-ups. So it was physical punishment. <laughs> <laughs> How many push-ups did you do on a typical? Day, yeah. So, well, there's two kinds of typical days. There was one when it was a normal day, and then there was the other days whenever I was like trying to get into bodybuilding with my dad. And so, I wouldn't, you know, I was like seven, so I wasn't really like lifting any serious weights. I mean, we would, but it wasn't serious, it was more like body weight stuff. But I he'd make me like do like lunges across the living room and like push ups, sit ups. Uh, he mounted a pull-up bar to the door frame in my room and make me do like pull-ups. So it was, I, I say, make me. It sounds like you know he's like torturing me as a child, but you know I kind of signed up for it. So,
0: wow, what well, was was it? Uh, were you one of those houses where you didn't get sweets or stuff like that, or how was the diet regimen in the seals household?
1: Um, sweets. Honestly, whenever we got sweets, they were usually my parents got them for themselves. And as soon as the children found out they were there, they were gone the next day. And so my, <laughs> parents, my parents learned to hide the sweets. So they, they were never around.
0: It may or may not happen in our house. So
1: yeah, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure many people can relate to that. <laughs> multiple children in the house. It gets very hostile.
0: Now, were you to the point of throwing breaking balls and stuff like that when you were a high school oh. when you were pitching or were you were you done with baseball by
1: that point? Yeah, I mean, I probably stopped in eighth grade, I think. And I, I don't know what the normal development of a pitcher is, if they're supposed to be throwing curveballs, but I was always told, like, stay away from that. Uh, I was just throwing heaters the whole time, and I was more worried about getting a strike than anything.
0: Football's always your first love, isn't it?
1: Um, I don't know if it was my first love. I think baseball was, because whenever I started football, it was more like I, w- I only wanted to do football every other year. I don't know why I got that in my head, but my first year was like in first grade. I played football in first grade, and I was like, you know what? I don't want to play football this year. So I didn't play football in second grade, and I was like, all right, now it's time. I gave my body enough of a break. So I played in third grade, and then I took a break in fourth grade, and then I played fifth and sixth. So it was it was kind of weird, and through that entire time, I played baseball. Like, I was... I played baseball like in spring leagues, summer leagues, like select teams, like in the in the city, like different stuff like that. Like I was playing baseball like year round, except when I was playing football those couple times. But no, I definitely wouldn't uh, wouldn't think that it was a first love. Which is, yeah, I guess you wouldn't think of.
0: So what changed? Why why did you make the switch? I mean, what was it that sent you from baseball to football? <laughs>
1: um I think my dad you know I don't know if my dad played baseball at all actually (laughs) I'd have to ask we don't talk about him playing baseball but I I know he played football I think he wanted me to be a football player and so it's kind of what I I guess you know I, I was physically like bigger and more developed than um some some kids but I think I just kind of had like a I started out as a running back. I didn't start as quarterback, but I had, like, a natural, like, instinct for, like, contact and running the ball and, like, hitting people. And so it was just kind of, like, I guess, fun for me. Um, I really, like, just enjoyed, like, hitting people. And, you know, I played middle linebacker and running back. Uh, I, my first position was, like, three back in the wing tee, pretty much like a full back. I think I ran the ball a couple times. but <laughs> um, I think I just, uh, I liked the physicality of it and, you know, it's kind of, that was the biggest part of my game and it's weird now. It it makes me sad sometimes thinking about, you know, I I almost feel like because of like the position that I play now, I don't even really like play football the way that I knew and I grew up with and like learned to love it as, you know, It, it makes me sad just because like, I don't get the contact and, uh, you know, obviously hide and get sacked and like oh there's your contact but it's not the same like you don't play with the same like aggression and you know intensity as you do like a linebacker you know I, I really miss playing linebacker i know i have i am not built to play linebacker right now but um I you know put me at safety if i was you know training to be a safety and i was a little bit faster i promise i could be a, a good safety i'd love to play you know so it's, um, I, I think it just came from, yeah, my attitude towards it.
0: Okay, next one. This is from Vandy Nash. Is it possible to execute a short passing game against press coverage, or do you have to start working for intermediate and deep concepts to loosen them up?
1: Yeah, so if you want, that's a good question. So our attitude in press is like, if we have a matchup, take it. So, oh, geez, I guess, you know um uh, i don't know how much of our game plan i'm exposing you know usually whenever you're um when you're going against press if you have a dude that you feel like can go make a play you're gonna go try and let him make a play and that's you know true for anyone um typically though if you have like a good enough protection you can do a lot of like interesting crossing route mesh concepts stuff like that to confuse them um but also if you want to go quick game against press you also have like your little not pick routes but like rub routes you know they're Mm -hmm. more like influences not trying to pick a guy but you're trying to influence him to come off of his man uh so you you can do different things like that um a lot of times whenever they go man you'll get like a 4-2 box um which is good to run the ball um and you know, whenever the teams go man, if they're rushing five, um, then they don't have anyone for the quarterback. You know, they can you know rush four and have a spy, or play like one robber or something like that. But you know, a lot of times whenever teams go man, uh, they like to stunt their linemen to avoid any like cue counters uh, and stuff like that. And that's why. No one plays man against Lamar Jackson because he'll make him pay for it. So it's uh there's different things you can do to it. You know, there's different reasons why uh, defenses go man. A lot of times they feel like they have the better athletes and uh, the matchups to lock up receivers and uh, take away easy, uh, easy throws. Here you go because a lot of times quarterbacks are able to find zones very easily and like throw within a zone. So they're they're making almost the quarterback and receiver like earn every completion that they're getting and um it just it, re- it requires you to be more precise and um you know if you're an accurate quarterback you can take advantage of it um I think obviously like I already said you know if you got the athletes on the other side they'll press you up and go man and uh, say you're not you're not getting past us like we're better athletes than you are
0: Vandy Nash says, do you account for a talented corner in your progressions or do you try to stick to your reads and make the proper decision regardless of personnel locations?
1: So I think an important distinction on that is like progression. So it almost has no bearing on progressions, but pre-snap decisions, uh, it does have an influence, you know, like we were talking about just a second ago. Um, and you know, this isn't me. This is what every offense does though. So, you know, you're always told to check who you're, you're like, your matchups against, you know. So um, it's it's more of a pre-snap decision uh, at quarterback. But, you know, whenever you start your progression, like, if you're told to go one, two, three, four, you know, it's it's one, two, three, four. It's not, you know, it's one, oh, two's got so-and-so on him, one, three, four. You know, it's it's not like that.
0: Pedor wants to know what happened to cause the second quarter interception. Was it a misread of coverage, bad route, bad throw? What was the explanation there?
1: Yeah, good question. So I think I felt like uh, uh, the pressure was getting to me and I had to get the ball out a little sooner than I wanted to, because, you know, whenever you're in a two minute drive, uh, the last thing you want to do is take a sack is the last thing you want to do. But uh, I'll say this: It's the second to last thing you want to do. The last thing you want to do is throw a pick, um, and that in that situation, I should have taken a sack. Um, I shouldn't have got rid of the ball, and that's that's a tough one um, to to just sit there and admit that you know there's nothing open and uh, you should take a sack. Obviously, you know, I, I can always throw it away, but I think you know the way that the pressure was coming onto me uh, as quickly as it was and not not that it i didn't have any time it was more of like it just showed up out of nowhere because it, it, it was a twist game and so they got it with the twist and so the guy i i stepped up into the pocket and the guy just kind of appeared there i didn't really have time to reset my hips and get it out of bounds or over someone's head so you know whenever it, you know it kind of appears and it sits in your lap that fast, you know, and my coaching point is to take the sack. And obviously the last thing I can do is give them the ball at the 30 yard line, you know, and I ended up being six, seven points for them. So, uh, it's frustrating. Um, but yeah, you know, a lot to learn from and, uh, you know, I think I've done a better job trying to protect the ball. And, um, I I'd still think obviously there's some to go, but from the start of the season to where I'm at now, I feel much better about Um, keeping the ball uh, out of the defense's hands.
0: Tampa Door says, when facing adversity, and there are many forms of it, is there a difference in overcoming the mistakes by yourself and teammates, getting behind by a few points in the game, or officials taking the form of larger adversity than the opposing team? Um, Is there any way that you feel one type of adversity or another is greater or lesser than another type? I know in the end adversity is adversity, but there's a difference um, for a team trying to defeat one type or the other. Is it different where there are multiple types of adversity to mentally overcome as opposed to one type? Thanks, Ken, and I'm a big fan rooting for you in the doors. I think that was was a long question. The way I interpret it is, is is it tougher to take when you – you feel like you did something to beat yourself, or maybe when you got a a call that went against you that you didn't think was deserved.
1: Yeah, I think I understand the question, and I, I appreciate the asking. That's a, <laughs> I, I like that. It's um, I'll say this. I think when it comes to adversity, I guess it depends on what exactly the result of it is happening in the game. So if it's you know an adversity like. You know, your coach is yelling at you or something like that. You know, you kind of get more like frustrated in your reaction. So, like, you know, some guys have different reactions. Some guys, you know, need to get yelled at. Some guys kind of close up. Um, I think that's completely different than the adversity of making a bad play or the other team making a good play, even. Um, it kind of, depends on the effect that it has on the game and uh, which way the momentum of the game swings. Um, on a personal level, um, I'd say that you know things that happen on the field, mistakes that I make, are a bigger adversity for me than anything else. Um, I think from a team standpoint and team level, um, whenever you feel like uh, you're losing the momentum because of some adversity that happened, Or the other team is gaining momentum because adversity and adversity can be uh, a turnover where, you know, offense turns the ball over or a big play that the other team gets and they end up scoring or go up by, you know, two possessions, you know, different situations like that. But I think that is more of a stronger adversity to face as a team. And I hope I answered that right. But I like the question.
0: No, I think that was a good answer. The next one is from Columbia on Let's see. How do you come back to your offensive line on a missed stunt or twist and tell them to step up or are you positive always in your feedback for them?
1: That's always tough. You know, it's, it's like, it's not like they wanted to screw it up. It's not like they wanted me to get sacked or anything, but at the same time, like I think there's a certain level of, focus that dips or are they allowed to dip sometimes and whenever you kind of get in it not in a guy's face but like be vocal with him and your frustration and like demand more of him it kind of like heightens their level of obviously their investment because you're holding them to a higher standard you know if someone tells you like hey that's not good enough like then you're gonna be like okay i understand and so i know what is good enough You know, and I I think, you know, some people take that differently. Um, Some people might not agree with that. But I think, you know, when it comes to linemen, you know, the idea that they have of their quarterback, you know, is kind of like, you know, I need to protect little brother, you know. And so, like, when little brother, you know, they turn around and see little brother get hit and he's like, hey, you know, come on, man, step up. You know, it's more of like a a protective instinct that, and I I've never been a lineman. I have no idea. That's how I feel. I feel like little brother in the pocket, and so I think they want to do their best job to protect me. And so sometimes it's like, you know, hey man, don't worry about it because they'll you know they'll come over and pick me up. I'm like, hey, that's on me, man. I'm sorry. I'm like, dude, don't worry about it. Next play, you know, next play. I don't I don't want you to try and overcorrect it or overset or something like that on the next one. But sometimes if it's like um uh bust I won't get mad at like a bust in, like technique if it's like technique like you know I have no idea what the correct technique is or what happened if it's operationally like you know we were supposed to block him and we didn't then I feel like that's more of like a focus thing uh and a locked inness that you have into the game like okay the protection is this call I know I'm setting for the widest rusher right here and You know if the widest rusher isn't blocked then i'm like okay what are we doing so there's um there's different ways to approach it and absolutely different um guys respond differently so you have as a quarterback have to think about that as well how how you want to talk to some guys versus how you need to talk to some others and so there's a lot of variables to it but really the best time and the best way to go about it is just like speak what's on your heart, like be genuine in who you are. You can't think about like, oh, how do I want to approach this situation? No, if I feel like I need to get after a dude because he didn't pick up the stunt or, you know, he's setting, you know, 60 protection when it should be 61, then and I want to yell at him, then, you know, I need to do that because that's who I am as a person and as a leader and I need to be authentic to me. But, you know, if I, you know, feel like, in the moment, he needs more encouragement and rebuilding then you know. There's always that, so it, it's never too much to think about. It's it's definitely both.
0: Let's see the next one from Colombiano Dora.
1: How do you practice deep ball accuracy? You got to do it. You got to know who's running the route, and you got to get on the same page with them. So it's um you can obviously overthink it. Absolutely. You can be like, Oh man, here's a deep ball, you know, and just get in your head and um I think I fight that sometimes because I'm like, Oh my gosh, he's open, don't don't miss, you know. It's it's just like that's you know, what you the mindset you don't want to get into. You wanna be like you know, obviously as a quarterback you visualize like successful plays happening and so you visualize the guy running open on the middle post and you hit him over the top and it's you know, perfectly in stride and he was able to keep running all the way to the end zone. So I think it's a it's a confidence thing, but also confidence comes from the preparation of just doing it over and over and making sure you're on the same page with your guys.
0: Colombiano Door wants to know, what are your absolute favorite pass concepts to run? Do you prefer rollouts or throwing from the pocket?
1: <laughs> um... I don't know if I, how much I can talk on my favorite. Well, let,
0: let's keep you safe. Okay. Uh, I'll, <laughs> let's, we'll take, we'll give you a pass on that one.
1: Um, <laughs> I really like the question though. And to be completely honest, you know, people ask me what my favorite concept is and I'm like, huh, what is my favorite concept? Cause I don't really know. I know there's certain plays that come in and I'm like, yeah, like, let's run it. Like I feel good about it. Like we've had a good week of practice uh, running this play, it's been successful every time we've ran it. I feel good about it. But, um, yeah, <laughs> we'll keep it safe.
0: <laughs> well, I'll, I'll end with a couple from me. Obviously, you've looked at film of Georgia. That is one incredible defense you're going to be facing. What stands out to you as you watch those guys on film?
1: You know, it's whether they're in red, yellow, you um, know, orange, whatever color, it's – You know, we talk about playing a nameless, faceless opponent every week, and it doesn't matter what the name across their chest is, who they're playing for, what school, what everyone says about them. You know, we're going to judge and make our assessment of their talent level and look at their scheme and see how to beat that scheme. So I'm not really too worried about how good they are or what everyone says or what South Carolina's head coach likes to say and uh you know, post-game interview about, you know, the excuses that he wants to make. Um, But, you know, we're going to take our game plan and we're going to apply it to this week. And, you know, I'm really excited. I'm excited to see the growth that we take as a team from the lessons that we've learned in the past weeks. And, you know, the biggest thing for our guys is absolutely trusting in each other and, you know, taking the lessons that we've learned. Uh, week to week and apply them to the next week and that's going to be the same message all the way through and so um we're we feel like we got you know a good game plan this week that we're going to be able to execute and um I feel very confident about it and uh we're going to see how it works out and you know what adjustments we need to make and we're going to make those adjustments and it's uh it's going to be fun we're we're playing football at the end of the day it's what we all signed up for and I'm excited to play football
0: Ken, I'm out of questions. Anything you wanted to say before we end the show tonight?
1: Ooh, so much to say. Let's see. I'm trying to think. <laughs> no, I don't got anything. Uh, I appreciate everyone that listens to this, though. It's um, it's fun for me to do. I enjoy doing it. Um, I think it's a great way to at least engage what I can with you guys and the, the questions. So I, I, I like answering them. So. If y'all ask him, I'm more than happy to get y'all answers. So, and I appreciate you, Chris, for uh, allowing me to do this and giving me the opportunity to. So, it's um, it's been really fun. But thank you.
0: Yeah, it has been fun. And just so people know, I I do pick off a couple of questions ahead of time. I'm like, ah, Ken Ken might answer that (laughs) honestly, but it might put him in a bad spot too. So, uh, if anybody's ever wondering why does my question not get asked, um. That's, that's either, it's been asked in a different form or, or that's your, your host here uh, trying to keep you out of your head coach's office uh, the next day. So anyway,
1: <laughs> it's appreciated.
0: All right, Ken, best of luck against Georgia and we'll talk to you next week.
1: Awesome. Thank you.